0: A pair of Gonzaga stars in Drew Timmy and Julian Strother will once again participate in the NBA draft combine. What can they do to improve their draft stock ahead of the NBA draft in June? You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, for the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Well, the NBA Draft Combine player pool was announced on Tuesday afternoon. That's what we're talking about today here on Locked On Zags. We're going to talk about the two players, Drew Timmy and Julian Strother, who were invited to the Combine, what that means for them. What that means for their draft stock, what they can improve on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We'll also talk about the four Gonzaga players who were not invited to the draft combine. What that means for them? Are they more likely to return to school? What does it mean for a player like Rasir Bolton who cannot return to school? And we're going to close out the show talking about the two other WCC players who were invited to the draft. Who were invited? Excuse me to the draft combine what that means for them, what that means for the conference as a whole, a conference that has shown that they are more than just the players for the Gonzaga basketball team. So we'll get to that. To close out the show, we're going to lead off talking about Julian Strother and Drew Timmy, both set to participate in the NBA Draft Combine, both getting invited for the second time in their careers. Both players who, in theory, have more eligibility – could return to Gonzaga. Uh, Neither of them are going to, that has been the expectation all along. I don't think that anybody is really harboring a lot of hope or optimism about either of them. Drew Timmy has made it exceptionally clear that he planned to spend four years in college. He has spent four years in college. He has done, he said it with all the love in the entire world, but I appreciated his candor and just saying, look, no, I, I, I'm ready to move on with the next step of my professional career. And I think, what happens with him at the combine and we'll talk about it of what he can improve on things like that. I think if he doesn't do well in the combine for either of these guys, for Strother or Timmy, if that starts creating conversation of, Oh, could they come back? I really doubt it for both of these guys. With Drew, I think it's a less than as, as close to zero as you can possibly get. Julian may be a little bit more in there if he gets feedback from people telling him to return to school, but I would put the odds of Stratha returning at less than 1%. These two guys are gone. They are moving on to their next stage of their professional basketball career, and both of them should end up in the NBA. Whether they stick long term remains to be seen. Part of that is where you get drafted has a huge impact on whether you're likely to stay. Had Andrew and Emhardt got drafted out of outside the top 40, outside the top 50 towards the end of that draft, I'm not sure he gets the opportunity to play significant minutes, but he got drafted 31st, Indiana gave him a big bag of money, a so guaranteed contract, which is pretty rare for second round picks. Of course, at that point, they're more invested in him financially, they're more invested in him just from a player personnel perspective, and of course, he gets an opportunity to play big minutes early in the season, takes off, and gets one dang vote away from being an all-rookie second-team player, so how you do in the comp, all of that stemmed from Andrew Nemhart having a successful run through the NBA draft combine. There is a precedence for Gonzaga players doing well at this event and then parlaying that into success in the NBA. Andrew nemhart is the catalyst for that. He is the proof that doing well at the combine can raise your draft stock. Raising your draft stock will get you drafted higher. That's not a shock. Getting drafted higher means teams are more likely to invest in you not just from a playing time perspective again, but also from a financial perspective, and doing so gives you more opportunities to get on the court and show what you're capable of doing. Andrew Nembhard followed that path to a T, and now it's up to Julian Strother and Drew Timmy to do the same because right now neither of these guys are really being mocked as first round picks. Strother occasionally shows up as a first round mock, but more and more we're starting to look at mock drafts that show him being a mid second round guy, somewhere between 40 and 50, 35 to 45, somewhere in that general range. I've gone on record on this podcast. You everyday listeners have heard me talk about this quite a few times with Julian Strother. I believe he has the prototypical size and skill set to be that three and D wing at the NBA level. But the defense is the question. So what I want to do with both these guys is go through their strengths, their weaknesses, and the one thing that I think they could work on, the best thing they could do at the combine this week or next week in order to improve their draft stock. For Julian Strother, his strengths are fairly obvious. His ability to shoot, period, is fantastic. His ability to shoot on the move, catch and shoot, shoot off the dribble, all of that, all of the outside shooting skills are absolutely there. Consistency is a bit of a longer question, but the outside shooting skill is clearly there. His floater is electric. One of the best floaters in college basketball. Completed it at a really, really high rate last year. Again, one of the best in college basketball at knocking down that little floater. He's got a variety of offensive moves. He has great size for a player at his position. That 6'8 build that he has is perfect to be an NBA small forward. Uh, And I think he's going to test well in the measurements and the agility stuff. He did last year. No reason to believe that he's not going to show well on some of that agility uh, and overall speed testing at the NBA Draft Combine weaknesses for him. I think strength is a bit of an issue. Can he get stronger? And and again, strength is something you can put on in the NBA. Like that's one of the weaknesses that is the least concern for NBA scouts and analysts. Cause like, Oh, you need to put on some weight. Fine. We'll just lock you in a weight room after we draft you for a few weeks and you'll be good to go. Like it's, it's more complicated than that, but, but not much. Like I'd rather draft a guy who needs to work on his strength than a guy who needs to work on his outside shooting Or his footwork, or his you know anything else like that. That's that's much more difficult for Strah. There are other weaknesses: defensive instincts, defensive intensity, and that is a tougher one. That is a harder one to learn and acquire. I don't think Julian's defense is was that big of an issue last year. I think Gonzaga's defense as a whole was collectively an issue, and Julian was a part of that. I'm not trying to absolve him. I think getting in a different system, getting into an NBA spacing will probably help him improve defensively, especially if those tests show up positively. If his lateral movement is really good, I think you can project that he could improve as a defensive player. Consistency, we mentioned that. And then finishing through contact and drawing contact and getting to the free throw line, this is something that because that floater is so elite, Julian never really... You didn't see obvious improvements in his game in terms of actually attacking players, getting contact, finishing through that contact, getting the and ones, something that was there a little bit. But I know that NBA scouts have brought this up as a concern for him going forward. In terms of the best thing Julian could do at the combine is pretty simple. Play really good on ball defense during the scrimmages. If he's participating in the scrimmages, work your butt off on that end of the floor and frustrate some of these other NBA caliber players on defense. If you can do that, that's going to raise your, your draft stock quite a bit. For Drew Timmy, strengths are again obvious. His footwork, elite, some of the most elite footwork we've ever seen in college basketball. His touch around the rim is excellent. His basketball IQ is tremendous, improved so much from as a freshman till his final season at Gonzaga. His passing ability, that kind of goes along with the IQ there, just his ability to find open players to have the offense be facilitated through him and still be capable. I mean, you let the team in assist last year. That wasn't by accident. And his personality, I, I just I think that his the way that he is, the way that he acts, the way that he just has pers- has kind of um, made himself look, I-, I think it helps him out as well. Weaknesses for him, lateral defense, lateral agility in general, just moving side to side, defending in space, having to navigate pick and rolls. Uh, the outside shooting is not consistent enough. The free throw shooting doesn't point to a player who's necessarily going to improve much as an outside shooter as well. The rim protection isn't really there. I don't think you draft him to expect him to, to give you much on the defensive end of the floor, if we're being honest. Uh, And then the measurements, we'll see what that looks like with the jumping, the agility, the size, all of that stuff didn't look great last year. It's hard to imagine. It's going to be significantly improved. And that's what I want to talk about here. things for group Timmy to improve at the combine. Biggest thing is defending in space. If he participates in the scrimmages, When he gets switched onto a guard, showing the ability to keep that player in front of him, showing the ability to hedge those screens, things that he struggled with at Gonzaga. If he goes in the NBA draft combine and guards are getting switches on him and just taking him to the rack, that is going to seriously hurt his NBA draft stock. I I think that that's the big thing right now that scouts are really kind of hoping like, hey, is this guy going to be a complete turnstile on defense or can he kind of offer us a little bit more on that end of the floor? He's got to prove that at the NBA draft combine that he's capable of doing that. Well, Timmy and Strother were the two Zags who were invited to the NBA Draft Combine, but I want to talk about the four who were not, what that means for them, and what that means for Gonzaga, all of that coming up after a word from today's sponsor, Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all of the sugar and calories, and if you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, then I've got just the thing for you, Built Bars and Built Puffs. Bill bars are healthy and they taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so good. You will not think that they are healthy for you. What makes them so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Bill does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. They only have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box for years. We've been talking about ordering your built Bars at Bilt.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get your specialty flavors at Bilt.com. So head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Bilt Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. You will thank me later. Bilt Bar. A proud sponsor of the Lockdown Podcast Network. All right, folks, I want to thank all of you for making Lockdown Zags your first listen every day. And for you, everyday listeners, we got more coming up this week on transfer portal targets. The portal is closing on Thursday. So we'll have more conversation about that, what it means for the Zags, what it means for the players available in the portal. We're also going to take a look at some conference realignment dream scenarios to close out the week as well. So Once again, if you are not an everyday listener and you want to become one, just subscribe on YouTube or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and check out the show five days a week right here on Locked on Zags. All right, Drew Timmy, Julian Strother, those guys are going to be at the NBA Draft Combine next week, but there are four Gonzaga players who will not, who are in the NBA Draft process, one by process of being a graduate in Rasir Bolton, three who have chosen to announce their decision to go into the NBA Draft process, and Anton Watson and Malachi Smith and Steele Venters, We're going to talk about all four of those guys and what this not getting invited to the combine means for them. We'll start with Anton Watson because Anton Watson was the most likely out of this group to get that NBA draft invite and the one that would have altered this conversation the most significantly. If Anton Watson gets an invite to the NBA draft combine, and the way that I understand it as I'm recording here on Tuesday, May 9th in the evening, is that he still could get that invite it's not set in stone the group of players that are going there that changes things i think if anton watson were to go to the nba draft combine and perform well it could change his decision this is me making the assumption that his current decision is to return to school which is what generally has been the expectation among those close to the program but he hasn't made that announcement formalized yet and a strong showing at the nba draft combine if he gets that invitation could change that equation Currently, he has gotten an invitation to the G League Combine. That is different. Obviously, it is more focused on players who likely aren't going to go the NBA route, but maybe are are candidates to go straight into the G League out of college or guys who maybe are going to get two-way contracts, etc., etc., Um, The list of players who got invited to the NBA G League Combine is a list of a lot of players who are out of eligibility, players like Serge Abari Rice, who starred at Texas last year, Antoine Davis, the the almost all-time leader in NCAA points, just missed passing Pistol Pete Maravich there, Leaky Black from North Carolina, Colin Castleton, who was at Florida last year. Those guys are all out of eligibility. Uh, There's also a lot of players who Almost everybody expects to return to school, which I think for people who are worried about Anton Watson being on this list, being invited to the G League Combine, I would think it would ease your concern if you see Tristan Newton. Everybody's expecting him to return to UConn for next season. Olivia Nakamua, who was at Tennessee last year. Uh, really, really impactful player, but a guy who's expected to return to school next year. Antonio Reeves expected to return to Kentucky after a really nice season with them. John L. Davis, who was the leader for that Florida Atlantic team that went all the way to the final four. Expectations are that he's returning to Dusty May's team next year. Charles Bediaco starting center at Alabama. The expectation is that he's back in part because Alabama and Purdue are going to play each other in Toronto this year, which a lot of people believe uh, isn't a strong indication that both Bediaco and Zach Eady are going to return to school because they're both canadian born prospects. so anton watson getting invited to the g league is a it's a honor for him. it's it's an a, an acknowledgement of how successful he has been in college and how much his stock has improved from a guy who didn't really have a lot of uh, obvious nba uh, traits, obvious nba like skills really early in his career. He's obviously emerged as a tremendous offensive threat this last year that really kind of bumped his stock in a significant way, but this doesn't necessarily indicate, Oh, he's not coming back because he's going to be in the G league invitation, the G league camp. I, I don't think it's something that worries me too much, but it's going to help him. And I think that's the good news. It's going to help him return, be a better basketball player when he returns to Gonzaga. I'm curious what, he can really show in this event because I look at this list and there's a lot of good players on there and I think that people who maybe think of Anton Watson from his early career or maybe didn't watch a ton of basketball last year with him or maybe just aren't sure what he's going to be like without Drew Timmy. Like I think people would probably rank him in like the bottom 25% of the players on this list. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think that he is. I think he's one of the, one of the be- better players in this group. He's one of the best defenders in this group. He's a more well-rounded offensive player than I think a lot of people will say. And I would not be surprised at all. If after the G league combine, he is one of the players who has the most who has risen the most in the NBA draft process. Does that mean he's going to go to the NBA draft combine, then all of a sudden become a second round pick and not return to Gonzaga? Probably not, but I think it's going to help him. And if he returns to school, has a bigger offensive role, which is what everybody expects for him in the absence of Drew Timmy, and then goes out and scores 15, 18 points a game, shoots efficiently around the rim, shoots 30 plus percent from three. I think all of a sudden he starts looking like a legitimate NBA draft prospect, even after his fifth year of college basketball couple more guys here to cover. Malachi Smith is the next guy on the list. He did not get an invitation to the NBA draft or the G League combine. Uh, I would not make the assumption that this means he's going to return to school. It, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. Him getting an invite to either of these events would probably have been a bigger signifier that he's not coming back to school. But him not getting invited to these things, to me, doesn't, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. Malachi Smith strikes me as a tweener. We'll talk about that a little bit more with Rasier Bolton as well. He's a guy who's too small to be a combo guard in the NBA. He's basically the only, his size kind of makes him a point guard in the NBA. There's just not a lot of undersized two guards in the NBA. There are some, CJ McCollum is a great example of one, but you have to be like elite, an elite scorer uh, or a really good defensive player in order to get that role in the NBA. I don't see that from Malachi Smith. And I don't think the point guard skills are there. Uh, He played point guard more at Chattanooga, but that was more of a, we just put the ball in his hands and let him go to work, type of thing. I think he can be more of a facilitator, but not, I don't think he has that skill set at the NBA level. I also don't think returning to college helps him all that much. And I think that's where this conversation gets a little bit trickier. Coming back to Gonzaga to play an off ball role, which he clearly would because they have two point guards now with Ryan Nempart and Nolan Hickman, I just, I don't think it's going to help him all that much. Maybe he steps into a starting lineup, maybe he plays a similar role as last year. The Zags need him. I think the Zags could really use a player like Malachi Smith. And if they don't get him, they better find somebody like him in the transfer portal. But I don't think Malachi Smith needs the Zags all that much. Like he could go to Europe and play point guard, like true point guard in a European league team, make money, more money than he's going to make at Gonzaga and hone those skills as a peer point guard and potentially try to make it to the NBA that way, or just continue to have a lavish, successful career overseas. He could play in the G league. Like there's plenty of options for him. I just don't know that... Gonzaga helps him all that much. Doesn't mean he won't return. Doesn't mean he shouldn't return. I'm just not sure that it really, to me, this is not that, this is not a very black and white situation. There's a lot of gray area here and a lot of different decisions that Malachi Smith could make that I think would make sense for him. Last two guys, a little bit easier to get through. Next up, Steel Venter Steel Venters did of course, declare for the NBA draft when he announced his decision to transfer away from Eastern Washington. He entered his name in the draft process, also entered his name in the transfer portal, committed to Gonzaga, and basically never wavered on his decision to want to come to Gonzaga. But at that point, he'd already declared for the draft why not explore that, get feedback, work out with teams, work out with scouts, work out with whomever you can. Uh, no surprise that he didn't get an invite here. I don't think he's done enough in his college career to merit a serious NBA consideration yet, but I hope that this process was enlightening for him in terms of getting some feedback from people on things he can work on, things that they like about his game, etc. things he could hopefully bring to Gonzaga to just be better. If any of that helped Steele Venters be a better basketball player for the Gonzaga Bulldogs next year, then he should do it 99 times out of 100. And I'm not surprised again that there's not a lot of NBA attention here, but I think it was still a worthwhile decision for Venters to explore that process. Rasir Bolton, of course, didn't have the didn't have to make a declaration. He is a graduate. He is out of college, so for him, it was just kind of depending on what invitations he got he did get that invitation to the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament shortly after the season ended got to ball out with guys like Tiger Campbell in that event did not get a G League invite did not get an NBA draft combine invite for I think the same reasons as Malachi Smith older guy small combo guard doesn't necessarily have the point guard skills to play point guard in the modern NBA which is not a knock on his point guard skills it's just very hard to play point guard in the NBA and doesn't have the size or like automatic shot making ability to be a two guard or a combo guard at the NBA level so he's just kind of stuck in the middle I don't really see an NBA future for Rasier Bolton I see a player who who could play in the G League who should and probably will play in the NBA Summer League this year Uh, if he wants to stick around in the G League maybe he gets a two-way invite potentially otherwise he could either play in the G League permanently or of course go overseas whatever he wants to do uh, I don't think the NBA is is going to come calling for him maybe he'll get some looks over the summer but uh, obviously a tremendous zag and a guy who there's no mystery about whether he can come back or not but we just hope the best for him and his continued future for more on Rasir Bolton we did an episode on him last week just talking about who he is as a person and, and what his NBA future professional basketball future might look like everyday listeners probably already heard it for those of you who have not and go check it out back in your feed but it's really nice conversation about about Rashear Bolton who is more than just a basketball player that is for sure Well, we're going to close out the show looking at a few other players who got invited to the Combine who are not from Gonzaga, but who are from the WCC, what it means for the league, all of that coming up right after this. All right, segment three, still in the still locked on Zag. Still talking NBA Draft Combine as we saw the full list of players invited to that event come out on Tuesday afternoon, Drew Timmy and Julian Strother, of course, going to represent Gonzaga in that event. Uh, no Malachi Smith, no Anton Watson, no Steel Venters, no Rasir Bolton. But there were still two other players from the WCC who did earn that invitation. We're going to talk about those two guys. That would be Brandon Panzimski from Santa Clara and Maxwell Lewis from Pepperdine. Not a surprise to see, to see either of these players on the list for anybody who watched WCC basketball last year who was following the league throughout the season. They know that these two guys were highly sought-after draft prospects. Uh, we'll talk about Lewis in a second, but guys who were in first-round conversations throughout the season at, at times. And and we'll start with Zimski There's still a real chance that he goes in the first round. Like Honestly, he's still in that conversation. He's still a guy that I think with a strong combine performance could really sneak into that role. The thing I love about Podzimski and he's really a definitive example of a player who, and I hate using this term, and I'm going to use it in quotes for those of you watching on YouTube transferred down uh, to go from a high major program in Illinois where he only played, I think he averaged like one point a game in his freshman season at Illinois. He transfers down to Santa Clara to the WCC scores 20 points a game, wins code co-player of the year with Drew Timmy, which was uh, you know, a little bit dubious that he was named co-player of the year. But regardless, he absolutely deserved to be in that conversation. He deserved to finish second in the player of the year race, I'll put it that way. Uh, but he was a tremendous player this year, and he he thrived in an on-ball role. He thrived with the basketball in his hands. He thrived as a rebounder. He thrived as a outside shooter, uh, a drive to the basket score. He showcased all of these skills that he had zero opportunity to show while he was at Illinois. Is this a situation of Coach Brad Underwood and the Illini just not knowing what they have? Maybe. Maybe that's the case. I don't think there are a whole bunch of guys averaging one point per game at the Power Five level who suddenly would become NBA draft prospects if they went somewhere else, but there are probably a few, and the transfer portal allows those guys to to figure that out. Imagine if Podzimski had to stay three years at Illinois or had to sit out a year. And I mean, it's, to me, this just makes the most sense. It makes the most sense that he goes somewhere else where he can play right away, where he can instantly showcase, look, I am that dude. I am a guy who can do that. And as much as the WCC often negatively benefits from the transfer portal, they see a lot of players move on and go to different programs. Carlos Stewart from Santa Clara is now at LSU next year. Moses Wood, who is one of the best players at the University of Portland, he's at Washington for next year. Like we've seen a lot of talent depart from the WCC this offseason. We didn't have a full episode Maybe next week, if not very soon, covering all of the ins and outs of the WCC from the transfer portal. We're, we're waiting until the portal season officially closes. But for, for the WCC, I think focusing on the players leaving the conference as a bad thing is doing a disservice when you don't focus on players like Podzimski, who come into the conference and instantly find a ton of success the way that he did. Can he be a legitimate NBA player? The defense, you got to figure that out. Can he adjust to an off-ball role, being more of a role player, not being the focal point? You know, those are questions that I think NBA scouts are going to have to answer, but he's a darn good basketball player. Moving on to Maxwell Lewis. Lewis is an example of another thing we've known to be true about the WCC, which is this. Lorenzo Romar can really recruit, but man, he cannot coach. And that was so true of this Pepperdine team, to add, to add Maxwell Lewis, to have Houston Millette, to have Mike Mitchell, like three really, really talented players on that roster. Maxwell Lewis is going to the NBA. Houston Millette's going to be back next year. Mike Mitchell transferred to Minnesota, and Pepperdine was god-awful. <laughs> It's just, when is it going to end? Like, when is this this uh, really unfortunate just routine of getting talented players and those players, are, they're not busts. It's not that those the talented players Romar recruits don't do well. They do. The teams just play poorly. Endlessly frustrating to be a fan of that. Uh, Maxwell Lewis is a guy who kind of faded down the stretch as the season went on. Certainly Pepperdine being really bad in the WCC did not help his draft stock at all people tend to equate team success with player success, especially when you're a superstar or the star player on your team. So for Pepperdine to be as bad as they were reflects poorly on Maxwell Lewis, whether it should or not is another debate for another time. Lewis is an electric scorer. He's got significant, significant work to do on the defensive end of the floor. His draft stock has dropped. He was like showing up as high as the teens or twenties on mock drafts in like november december even into january but now we're seeing him more in the 40s 50s second round type territory for him Uh, i think that the intangibles the tools are still enough that teams are going to take a chance on him somebody's going to take him in that second round i think there's a good chance it's early in the second round but he's got a lot of work to do in order to prove that he can be a legitimate nba player well what i want to talk about here to close out the show Four players from the WCC invited to the NBA Draft Combine. Of course, Timmy Strother, Podzimski, and Maxwell Lewis. That is more than every single conference that is not a Power Six conference. Of course, the Power Five conferences, the Big East, they all had more. No other conferences had more than the WCC's four. In fact, if you take out the Gonzaga players, if you remove Drew Timmy and Julian Strother, you are left with two. The only other conference that had more than two outside of those power six conferences was the American conference. They had Taylor Hendricks from central Florida, Marcus Sasser and Jarris Walker from Houston. Guess what? Houston's not going to be in the American for much longer. So even then WCC right up there is among the premier non power six basketball conferences is using how many players went to the draft combine, a perfect measurement for success. No, of course not. Of course not. But what it's telling you, especially when you look at Jalen Williams's success in the NBA last year, he comes out of Santa Clara. He shoots up draft boards and getting selected 12th overall. People think, wow, that's really high for a mid-major guy. He ends up being the second best rookie in the league, and it's debatable if he wasn't first. He was right up there with Paolo Bancara, with Walker Kessler, with all of those guys, one of the best rookies in the entire league, a young, budding star. Coming out of Santa Clara, you have Pensimski who's going to be drafted out of Santa Clara this year. You have Maxwell Lewis, who's going to get drafted out of Pepperdine. This is a basketball conference, and it is a dang good one. Here are the other mid-major players that were out there, Tumani Kamara and De'Ron Holmes, both out of Dayton, so the A-10 had two players in that process. Imani Bates out of Eastern Michigan, who is a mid-major player, but kind of one of the most highly touted high school recruits of all time. His career hasn't panned out up to this point. Omari Moore, the only player out of the Mountain West coming out of San Jose State, not something that you see all the time. Grant Nelson out of North Dakota State. We've talked a ton about Grant Nelson on this podcast as a potential Gonzaga target in the transfer portal, although he is focused primarily on making it in the NBA first. Ben Shepard out of Belmont and Jalen Slosson out of Furman are the other two. Once again, WCC right up there with the best non-Power 6 basketball conferences in the country. Does that mean I don't want Gonzaga to to realign? No, we'll talk about that on Friday. We're going to talk about some conference realignment options for the Zags, uh, some dream scenarios that I have kind of cooked up for what I think some realignment things, particularly on the West Coast, could look like. But I think that dragging the WCC is not doing anybody any good. And there's a lot of proof that this conference can produce high, high level talent, uh, not just at the college level, but at the NBA level as well. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Don't forget to check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast if you have not done so yet. It is available wherever you get your podcast. It is also available on YouTube. Check back in later this week on Locked On Zags for some conference realignment talk, more transfer portal updates as we finally see the final list of players who are going to enter their name into that portal, what it means for the Zags, who, if anybody, they might continue to add to this roster before next season. All right, thank you all for listening. And as always, go Zags.